is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Played list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 33 of the Dynasty Owner's Manual Podcast. I'm Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWX. And I'm Adam Wilde at AP Wilde, W-I-L-D-E, and I'll have your foreword for today. So we've got our shirts at FF underscore Outfitters. Justin Barlow is hooking us up there. You can get our awesome shirts there. We're going to try to get some more gear out there. Today on Debbie Owner's Manual, they dropped the Combine episode. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing because Dwight and Andrew have been killing it. And then, of course, we've been pimping the Best Ball Owner's Manual with Brad Reyes. We cannot wait to get that started, so look forward to that in March. Absolutely, and I'm actually looking forward to more info from both Dwight and Andrew over the next week or so. If I'm not mistaken, both of them are traveling down to the Combine this weekend. Uh, I'm actually in Southwest Ohio, so there might be a chance I might be able to meet up with at least Andrew on his way back home. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if we can make it happen and uh, have a little owner's manual meetup. But forget all that for the time being. For the folks listening to the recording tonight, of course, our intro track has been nothing but straight fire since we were able to collaborate with, with the man of the hour that we have here tonight, Mr. Gabe Gearing at FF Man Bun. First and foremost, thank you for your time. And uh, we wanted to hop right in and start talking about the show. I mean, Adam and I have been uh, guests on the on the open bar a couple of times with you and J. Mike. I guess we really want to talk about real quick uh, the show's inception. What is, I mean, to you, what is, if somebody were to ask you what is the open bar, what would you say to them? <laughs> uh, honestly, a great question. <laughs> uh, man. It, it rotates through so many personalities, so many people. I mean, the name almost says it all. We're, we're just there to have a good time. I mean, we, we joke about not having a show sheet. That's all real. Uh, I joke about a chat not existing. Uh, that's not real. It does exist. And, and people come and hang with us live. And I don't know. I, it, it just kind of turned into this um, place for really for the community to hang out, like take a break from whatever y'all are doing. Cause I mean, podcasts get uh, serious at times or, you know, I know y'all laugh and stuff on, on things. Do y'all laugh on this podcast is, is laughing allowed. Kind I mean, of like the curtsying is, is laughing allowed. Yeah. Anything yeah. is allowed on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Never well, mind. Chris says it's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. It's anything. It's anything from week to week. We literally have no idea what it is, but we're just happy to be there. And I'm mostly happy to be there with my dude, J. Mike. So uh, if I can get out of a week with that, I'm gravy, man. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we were able to take away from guesting on the show is that we don't know what we're walking into. I mean, that was my big thing when I the first time we guested it on the pod last year was that when – Adam came to me said we were coming on the show. I had listened to a couple of shows prior to, and I'm going to tell you, it, it was wild. Just seeing, <laughs> I mean, just absolute chaos. I mean, with J. Mike trying to talk with people, you uh, you cutting up and, you know, doing this, that, and the other. The guests, three, four, five, six deep sometimes, depending on how crazy the show was. I didn't know what to expect. And I think now with as many folks that have come through, we've seen uh, Peter Howard, who we're actually going to be speaking to later on this evening, uh, Dabari, I mean, all, all these other folks and personalities that have come through, Casey Kasem, I mean, all those folks that have stopped by, and you just never know what you're going to get when it comes to the open bar. But I think after a couple of weeks ago when Adam and I were on, I think we started the great 
Girl Scout cookie debate Ugh. that that ravaged Twitter for three, four, five days. It seemed like uh, still so, going. Uh, yeah, I think it's still going. And, I mean, there's still I still see some some flickers of that every now and again. So I think it's a word. We're in, we're influencers now, right? I mean, we almost have to be at this point, right? I mean, wh- where would we be? Where would we be on the open bar with? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the moment the show ended, I, I clicked and I went and started making T-shirts <laughs> with cookies. So, like all I saw, Adam, like, I Adam, I got your lemonades ready to I go. Saw, over right there. I'm trying to buy it. To get, I mean, I was in money. a meeting. It was like the day after. So this was what Wednesday afternoon. It's the day after. I'm in a meeting, and all I see are my mentions, like all my phone notifications, blowing up with just mention after mention of people talking about. Trefoils, uh, Peter going nuts about trefoils, somebody talking about thin mints. That's all I'm seeing as I'm sitting in this meeting. And I get back to my desk and I've got like 40 some odd mentions, talk, people talking about Girl Scout cookies. I'm like, what is happening here? This makes no sense. Like, what, it's, what happened? It's February, man. We, we were hungry for that. Yeah. We for not only cookies, something. but the NFL combine. We just, right. <laughs> we had nothing. And so. Exactly. Exactly. But. Let's leave that stuff behind for a second. So we're here to talk to you about fantasy, dynasty. Uh, actually, one thing that we wanted to talk to you about real quick was I know that you had mentioned while we were on the show that you had, you co-owned a team. And that was something that we haven't actually discussed here on the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast to date. So we wanted to talk to you. Adam and I, we just started doing that this season. We wanted to try and get your take on it. And see what you think about co-owning a team is, how that how that can be working with somebody else and managing a team, pros and cons, things of that. But give us your take on just co-owning in general. Okay. Well, go, uh, co-owning in general I think can be good. Uh, I don't know. I think you could go from either side of like go with someone that agrees with you is, is certainly nice. But then you almost kind of – are doubling down on whatever y'all's takes are, and yeah. and I'm I'm quite certain that no two people on, on Twitter or in the fantasy football world are are alike. But uh, we're all snowflakes to a degree. But I, I mean, there's there's things you should agree on, but there are things that you should also disagree on because where where would you go? Where would you grow? And and be able to get on top? Like if it's working, I guess then it's working. But I know that to be had and, and kind of the difficult discussions and and if you end up like being with a friend as a co-owner which is where i'm sitting you know and, and i guess you end up turning out as friends but this is bay this is clint followell if, if this this is the league that you're referencing that's the league i'm referencing here yeah right um yeah yeah with with the, in power hungry with john bosch so first of all that league is absolutely bonkers so yep. i mean you almost need a co-owner to do something like that and i know y'all are kind of in a similar situation so there's all sorts of powers and maybe we should, you know, combine our powers to understand these powers because I still don't. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe have people that have kind of some some different schedules as well, because like Clint and I are just extra busy and it's it's hard to um, produce anything out of this team <laughs> at all in the first place. But I know we we can agree on some things. For the most part, we we end up getting players that we both kind of like, which is good. But like I said, I think that there there should be a little bit of butting heads so that if if that person was right, like they can flex a little bit and be like, bro, I told you. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know. I, I think it's fun, but it's uh, it's very interesting to not be able to make your own moves completely in individually. There's there. You can't blame the other person. That's not going anywhere. And yeah, right. you kind of have to uh, produce together, which is very, very interesting. I think the most important pick that you're going to make when co-owning is actually picking your co-owner. Indeed. So uh, when with me and Chris, we're used to working together and we're used to having ideas where it's like, well, I don't really see that, but like, I trust that that's going to sound good when we do that. And it usually works out. So we kind of carried the same thing. I don't know if some people I've got the kind of brain that operates on like processes. So I don't know if some people like have some sort of veto system. That'd be interesting to hear. 
But, I mean, you heard before the show, I have no interest in Jamal Williams, but Chris is kind of like, yeah, it makes sense. He costs this much. We already have Aaron Jones. It's kind of cheap. There's the whole, like, maybe they're going to share touches kind of thing. Talked me into it. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. You know, at worst, he's a handcuff to Aaron Jones. Um, things like yeah, that. And then, mind. It makes you think. Right. Something that I wouldn't have thought of previously. Um, or like we won Kenny Galladay for what we thought was a good deal at the time. Turns out we got Kenny Galladay for 60 and then Diggs went for 60 and Thielen went for 58. So I'd probably like to have those two players, but you know, as soon as we got them and didn't think we were going to get them, I wouldn't say we got caught. I mean, you shouldn't bid unless you're willing to, to get them. But, um, as soon as we got them, I was like, dude, we'll just trade them for guys and Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> it works out for everybody. But do you have any sort of system? Like when it comes to the draft, I know you're in the draft right now. Is there any way when you do butt heads that you kind of decide if you're going to take a guy or not? I think for the most part, we kind of agree on a, maybe a pool of players. You know, uh, last year we, we needed a quarterback and we were pretty much okay with the the top four we just didn't want Josh Allen <laughs> and, and we kind of ended up with with Darnold I don't know aside from that we both liked guys so I, I think if you kind of group a pool Venn diagram of sorts and like I I think if you it depends on what you're doing I guess what type of draft you're doing like we have an auction but if you're doing you know some something with just regular picks like I don't think the the huge risks should necessarily be made by one person (laughs) because it's just maybe not good for the team dynamic you know hopefully that person's right great and all but what are you what are you saying about who's wearing the pants in the relationship right and uh and i i think just to co-own like it's not exactly about like who's the better owner and who like necessarily about winning necessarily it's just kind of building and having a having a dynasty team together is is interesting but maybe those third fourth round picks or the the lower spending like your Jamal Williams like 11 bu- uh sorry I don't want to say the price or whatever I don't want to snitch on y'all but Cut it I out, mean, Chris. <laughs> but Jamal Williams is, I mean at this point the equivalent of like a a third and fourth round pick something like that so that that would be like you know Chris's side of the vend I think you know Adam you're probably okay with and can see his side of things but mm-hmm. you know if he comes out and says like I don't, I don't know it I think Josh Allen, if it was like super flex, Josh Allen's like a polarizing guy right now that I do not like. And if Clint tried to get me on that, I'd be like, <laughs> no, <laughs> so I don't know. Something like that where it costs a little more. And I think there's a lot of risk. So to agree, but just, just not fly too high on, on your risks. Yeah. And I think that's one of the important things that when it comes to co-owning that I've been learning over the past few weeks doing this with Adam is that it's less about understanding player value it's less about trying to make trades it's more about how you share ideas with other people because you come in with your opinions i have my own and it's kind of it's really about problem solving and trying to come to some sort of compromise to make sure that what's what's best for the team between the two of you going forward and i think working towards understanding both perspectives like I would assume the goal would be that both you guys come out the other side understanding a bit more about whatever it is that you discuss. So if you want to bid this much for a player, if you want to try and trade this, uh, trade a player for you know a piece uh, or a uh, pick or whatever the case may be, there's a process or a discussion that needs to be had as to what you or how you value those two players. It's not just well I'm going to go try and trade this person for I don't know a second or a third. It's no, I mean, I, I think that we should value him at this point. Oh, okay. I think that oh, no, I, I agree with that. So then you can go forward and do that. So I think that's where the really the valuable part is because you learn so many things. It's like what we do on Twitter. I mean, to be quite honest with you, except for now you have this one on one discussion where you can share those ideas right. and come up with something afterwards. Huh. And with trading, I mean, Clinton and I are probably the worst together as traders like individually we're fine but trading is honestly probably the hardest because someone you don't want to offend the other person and and we do value things differently just completely Mm -hmm. differently whether or not just 
value comes into play. And that's, I think, what has been the hardest thing. It's just agreeing upon a trade because we've had offers come in and out, you know, all the last year and a half for however long we've, we've been in this league together. And I feel like I'm usually the one that's typically like, eh, and, and I feel badly about that, but I almost feel like maybe he should sort of take the lead possibly on trades more than me since I, I feel like I'm a little uh, gun shy on doing those things. And, and he, you know, we've talked about other leagues together where, where he is completely okay with trades and getting the guys that he likes. So um, if you're that type of person, it goes into personality too of like, are you a heavy trader? Like maybe you should trade a little more often because it's not going to be me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes into play when you're picking your co-owner because, like, Chris, you have that engineering mentality where it's like you'll dissect a trade no matter what. And I've got more of a – I'm kind of more bullish on trading where if somebody sends a terrible trade, I'm going to be like, no, that's shit. Like, I won't even look at it. And you'll be like, well, I mean – I think you've actually literally said that. I have actually said that. And we we haven't got out of the auction yet, so this is going to be interesting to see going forward. But I think that we'll finally have like a, a happy medium where we're getting a lot of trades done because where I'll look at trades that are shit and just reject them and then I'm done with it. I feel like you're going to build around countering. So that all plays into the kind of theme of making sure that you pick a co-owner that's conducive. If I had another co-owner that also looked at trades and said that shit and just rejected them because it's a terrible trade, because some people send that. Some people send terrible trades on purpose so that you will come down on your value after they stop yelling at the person that sent the terrible trade. They end up getting something done, and that works for some people. We've talked about it many times. That's not our philosophy. We try to get fair trades done so that going forward it gets easier and easier. That's a proven method that I've found. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm more bullish. But, you know, going forward, working together, I think that it's definitely going to be nice to find the um, the happy medium when we do get out of this and trade. By the way, for everybody listening, this league, you can only bid on players that are your division affiliate. Right. So we have the NFC North and we have the AFC East. So those are only players we can trade for. So that kind of leaves you at a conundrum for quarterback if you didn't want to pay, which we didn't. We got Gabe's best friend, Josh Allen, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So we might need a trade for a QB. So that's going to be interesting to to see. But uh, Gabe, in talking about drafts, um, yourself and J-Mike are kind of similar to us when we've been on the show a couple times where it's like uh, we sort of listen. That's kind of our niche. Like our niche is finding – these sources to listen to. So what are you kind of listening to or reading right now to prepare you for these uh, rookie drafts coming up? Oh, <laughs> you know, I've kind of talked about it before, but when I started at least dynasty um, fantasy football, which is what this pod is all about. Flip the page. Dynasty is the newest rage. Yes, sir. I was hoping we would get that. <laughs> uh, that's a hot bar coming out. Like it is. <laughs> Straight fire. Very few Dynasty Fantasy Football podcasts, though. And you, it was kind of like you had to hit the, the metrics guys or a, a bit of the film guys. to. <laughs> but it was only a few people saying these things. And now it's like everybody's got something to say. And you, J-Mike, and whoever's on our show included, whatever, so... I think the most important thing now is to not be entirely impressionable and to not just like hear something and be like, yeah, that's it. And just ride with that. I think, I think it's important to, you know, glean information from everywhere that you can, whether it is on Twitter, whether it is in articles, whether it is in podcasts. There are things that are going to support film and, and analytics with your boys in Dino Crossroads. They're hitting both sides of it. So I, I could go on for days listing articles that I read from time to time or podcasts that I read from time to time. But I think right here, which y'all have, in, you're preaching what people can do in general and, and they can make decisions for themselves. Like, sure, you're, you're giving, you know, solid good opinions but you're not you're not specifically saying players that you should go and get and follow necessarily so 
make your own decisions, but at the same time, like, don't be so impressionable where you're only taking it from one source. Because none of us are going to be correct in the long run. Like, <laughs> we're just trying to be correct more than 50% of the time, which is hard as enough as it is. And it, <laughs> if you're flexing like you know that you're going to be 75 to 100%, then you're you're in the wrong game. You've got to be able to understand when you're going to be wrong. And you hit the nail on the head with why we made this show, because I think Chris and I would both consider ourselves savvy, but I bet you there are plenty of people that don't think we're quite that savvy, but that's why we have this show, because Chris and I read a lot of articles and we listened to a lot of podcasts and then decided that we were just going to bring the smart guys on to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not smart enough to talk about it, I can damn sure find somebody that is smart enough to talk about it and bring it, bring them on to have them tell me what I'm doing wrong about my process. And I really think at the end of the day, that's a lot of what we want to try and accomplish on this show. I mean, of course, we want to talk about the specific players because there needs to be some level of applicability to what we discuss here on the show. But really, it all comes back to how we landed on that player. As we were just talking about when it comes to Josh Allen, of course, the consensus was when compared to the Lamar Jacksons, the Sam Darnolds, Josh Rosen to some degree, but any of the quarterbacks that were coming out, Josh Allen was a tier below most of those guys, if not all of them. But now after still, still is, I mean, at least from an NFL standpoint, <laughs> but when it comes to a fantasy standpoint, well, I mean, there could be some, he could be useful depending on your league type scoring settings, you know, and all that. And also the value of that player himself. How much do you want to, how much would you actually pay for him in a startup? So there are things that you would have to consider. So the process for acquiring somebody like Josh Allen that sits in that type of tier, well, there is a path in order to get to that point, And that's what we want to discuss. And so now flipping the page forward to the 2019 class that's coming out, we want to try and look at the value or the process for determining the value for some of the players that now Twitter is all abuzz about. The DK Metcalfs, the Hakeem Butlers, the David Montgomery's. I mean, I mean, all these, all these players that have these traits that people love year in and year out, but it's why do we like those players? What is it about them? What have they done either in college? What can we see them doing in the, in the pros? So what process do we use in order to come up with that? And that's really what we're, what we discuss. I think what most of us discuss on Twitter day in and day out is how we wind up with picking those players or planting our flag on those, on some of those players. And I think the research that people talk about on Twitter day in and day out, I think it's, it's wonderful to read. Very fascinating to read, but it's just, coming up with your own or determining what your strategy is going to be for picking some of these players is that's that's the holy grail right i mean that's what everybody would love to have like some sort of process that gets them on a on the the best player every season but we're never going to get there right and you kept saying a very particular word and an important word you said how a lot <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it is though so many people come through this and they want to know who right away and that's it. They, the rankings, you know, what are your rankings? What are your top 10 rookie running backs going into this draft? Who's your 1.01? Who's your 101? You know, it's just chill. Like <laughs> you gotta, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to take some time and, and figure out your own process. Like you can, you can extract or just take it away from one person and and if it happened to work once then you think that person's a fantasy god all of a sudden but it just they they maybe they are good but they happen to also just land successful this year like the how is so important it's so underrated it's absolutely great. yeah I, without question i think that's a hopefully if you don't take that away from this particular show any other content that people consume that should be the things that you're asking. Of course, there's plenty of analysis on production, people that create models in order to try and point you in that direction. But at the end of the day, I mean, that that has to be how you wind up building your team or building your roster and selecting yeah. players. So, I mean, so building off of that. So then as you as we're getting into, we've got the combine measurements that came up. Everybody was freaking out about Kyler Murray. Uh, being a, a fraction of an inch taller than what we expected him to be, so okay. But I mean, with, with all that, with all that being said, now that Kyler Murray is the 101, but what is your philosophy for approaching rookie picks? I mean, how do you wind up saying, okay, well, I'm going to wind up investing in this player, this position, or 
I need to I need to bail out. I need to start selling off these picks, and I'll just I'll just I'll just wait for a different round or maybe even a different class to in, start investing. I mean, first of all, completely matters on what type of league you're in. We might be talking auction dollars versus <laughs> versus uh, absolutely, picks, but in, in general, you know, I think in most dynasty leagues these days, they're people just jumping in, dipping their toes, whatever, are dealing with picks and. <laughs> As far as getting rid of those picks or just seeing what there were, you'll hear this a thousand times over. You, If your draft day for your rookie draft starts May 31st at 12 p.m., they are going to be worth a thousand times percent of what they are right now on May 31st at uh, whatever, 12.01 p.m. So <laughs> wait, be patient. And that's so hard in Dynasty. It's, the, the hardest thing in Dynasty is to wait and wait for that value to come to fruition because these guys go crazy. They soar also in, in ADP with startups start happening as well. I mean, the, these, the 101 guys, your Harry's, Metcalf, whatever, those guys are going to go up right next to AJ Green and mm-hmm. past Allen Robinson and ne- right next to Saquon eventually. It's like mm-hmm. people, people trip over this. So oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait. In, in this startup that I'm in, Trade Attic 6, uh, Russ's League, Dynasty Outhouse, and, uh, Brian Hart, dudes at Trade Addicts, I took a lot of rookie picks ahead of players that I would have liked, and I'm not one to really like rookie picks. Uh, I'll get into that in just a second, but it's very difficult to see that I have the 101, 106, 108, 112 just sitting there on my roster and not move them now because I keep looking at them like, what players can I get around this? And you're totally right, Gabe. They're not worth even a fraction of what they're going to wor- be worth the day after the draft. But getting into the rookie picks, what I wanted to mention a little bit earlier is when you're asking around, because you should be asking people, hey, like who's your 101 or who, who's your top five or something like that? But more importantly, why are they your top five? Because then you can make your top five or you can make your top five next year. And then you don't have to ask so many people or Chris is saying that he loves and he has the shirt that he always wears on the show because process is over results. If you get your process down, you don't have to rely on someone else's results. I could tell you Hakeem Butler is my 101 with nothing else. And then you go draft Hakeem Butler at 101 and it's going to be a, a bad idea. So, I mean, try, try to pick people's brains about process that's what we've been doing this whole uh, rookie draft season pretty much but Gabe getting into the next part of this offseason we've got pretty much two major events we've got the rookie draft and then we've got free agency and free agency is coming up pretty soon too how do you value uh, let's say specifically receivers entering into free agency you know, that's actually one thing. Uh, I haven't written a lot of articles in my past, but that's one thing that I have written about is free agents, uh, wide receiver free agents uh, specifically. <laughs> and um, them going over to a new team, that first year typically isn't that great. Alshon Jeffrey for the Eagles was actually a, a bit of an outlier, but uh, you think of Marvin Jones going to the Lions, um, had had a weak year, his first year there, and second year he balled out. So it's it's actually usually a second year type of thing, and I think we might see that with uh, I know a bit off topic of your free agency thing, but not exactly with Allen Robinson. I've said it before, and I, I think a, a second year with that offense and and with the Bears getting accustomed to everything, being healthy as well, that he'll be all right. So I don't know if I care exactly about the landing spot of much of these receivers if that's what we're getting into the the exact players is that what y'all want or just a general process of free agent wide receivers yeah like so when you have a receiver entering free agency in general but you don't you don't know the landing spot i mean does that signal buyer you to or or sell to you <laughs> it's always going to depend on the player of course i mean th- this class is, or class 2019 free agent wide receiver class it's it's not incredibly um exciting i think so it it depends on the players there are always a few that are interesting but you sure you look at the landing spot and i think if you like said player you might want to you know buy into that before they land somewhere and you just have to be 
be willing to take that risk even if they land somewhere else like sure i don't know you just have to take risks unless you're co-owning a team <laughs> and, and you mentioned that it's like uh that it's player based and that makes so much sense for wide receiver it's like well you know it really depends on the player do i think that their game translates to roughly any team and then i don't care where they land i just want to buy the talent but then you step over to running back which is what we're about to do and you get running backs entering free agency and it's like these giant flashing lights around the running back bye 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 and i'm just always thinking hold on a second Running back is one of the most landing spot, the most landing spot dependent positions in the entire NFL. Yet, for whatever reason, or I won't even say whatever reason, for Jarek McKinnon reason, these running backs are increasing value, entering free agency with no idea where they're going. We don't know where Mark Ingram's going, Tevin Coleman, TJ Yeldon, Giovanni Bernard. Any of them are good running backs. We get that, but we've learned that there's a lot of good running backs. Damian Williams is now a very good running back, but he was not a very good running back when he was a third string running back. So to me, it's like that makes sense for wide receivers. And it also makes sense for running backs. But why do running backs get a boost of value then when they enter free agency? Well, and especially with this whole last year uh, in 2018 of of the running backs don't matter movement. I mean, (laughs) Now, now we're talking about buying running backs and not not even caring about how you know athletic or their tape is or whatever that it's going to depend on things that are are kind of intangible and and maybe you shouldn't be buying at all and maybe that's the case because typically you you would think for most free agent running backs and. Unless they're a hot topic like Lev Bell or something, but like Tevin mm-hmm. Coleman, you know, Mark Ingram, like, are those guys going to go somewhere to where they're, they're fighting for a job? Mark Ingram's already fighting for a job. Tevin Coleman's already fighting for a job. Why, I mean, why would we expect them to jump into a role to where they're not fighting for a job again? And, you know, last year, Jarek McKinnon went over to the 49ers. We were excited for one that the, no one was necessarily behind him, but mostly because of probably the, the shame. And, but he also shared time in Minnesota. So should we have, you know, taken it back a bit because of the, the type of player that we kind of perceive him as you just kind of, there's so many things to take in with running back. And I think I'm alluding to your point a little bit, Adam, just as I carry on uh, on whatever the hell I'm talking about, but it, it's just it's so wild. It's wildy. It's wildy. Exactly. It is and wildy. I also want to mention I'm not taking a Jarek McKinnon victory lap. I never want anybody to get injured and I certainly would have rathered him ball out than miss a year of his career and I'll just say I'm wrong and continue to do this podcast and then people could listen or not. What I am saying is that to me, there was no indication of Jarek McKinnon being successful yet. He went to the Shanahan system, which I get has been successful with other players, and his value increased dramatically. Now, due to res- residual effect, similarly to double counting, which we can talk about on a later show, it's rolling over to other players because we're saying this happened to Jarek McKinnon. So my players will also increase value. The thing is, Tevin Coleman was going for mid to late first round picks at one point when he was still behind Devonta Freeman. So why didn't you sell him then? I mean, what did you think he was, you know, was he going to get to the one one maybe, but that was a year prior to free agency when he goes to a random team. It's like, is that really one where you want to put your chips or do you want to draft the 106? Or, you know, you would have drawn a blank on which running back I would have rather had at the 106, but it would have been better than what you're going to get out of Tevin Coleman almost definitely. Yeah. And I think that's, I think one of the big things when it comes to valuing free agent wide receivers versus running backs, it's, it's the differences in the positions. Uh, I think when it comes to wide receivers, we can at least at the at the very least, without even digging into analytics, would be that we can come up with at least a range of outcomes in terms of perceived volume, target share, and then maybe throw it, the, take a stab at the the number of yards and possible touchdowns. Because 
once a wide receiver is there, the only person that they're really dependent on after, at that point is the quarterback. How good is the quarterback? The quarterback can get them the ball, then we can come up with perceived volumes, team targets, perceived production, and all that. With a running back, it, I mean, with running backs, it's just what's the problem it's, that's inherent to the position. What has to be good for a running back in order to produce? The quarterback has offensive to be, line. at least, it has to be, yeah, offense. the offensive line has to be there. I mean, there's so many interactions that have to occur, one, just for a running back to be oh, successful, and then on top of that, if they're, if they get put into a committee, then we have no idea, we don't have the same ability to project the number of touches, and therefore there's no way that we can project the, but uh, there's no perceived volume that we can come up with. And so then the touchdowns are also limited, which is the big kicker when it comes to fantasy scoring. So it's very much dependent on situation. It's very dependent on the talent that the running back has shown in the past. Because if you were to take somebody like, let's say, C.J. Anderson in the past, if you were to look at him and you'd say, well, he only had he had the, the one good year in Denver before they shipped him off. He didn't do anything in Carolina. So why should anybody care about him now? But then he landed in the perfect situation. Or he right. was able to out, you know, at least mimic the production of Todd Gurley. So now nobody knows what to do with him. So, I mean, a lot, when it comes to running backs, it comes down a lot to the landing spot and situation where talent can win out. And that's what we're hoping with, with Aaron Jones. But a lot of times <laughs> it does come, it does come down to the situation that the running back finds himself in. So we can't really always just rely on, well, he did this in the past. So that's exactly what's going to happen in the future. It's not always the case. And even then, wait till he lands. Sorry, Gabe. Yeah, you you can still buy him when he lands. So people say, oh, man, Tevin Coleman landed with the Bucks. Well, now I can't buy him. Chances are he's still going to be cheaper when he lands with the Bucks than he would have been, um, you know, after he succeeds with the Bucks. So you're still probably not buying him in his arc. If he lands somewhere where you think that he's going to succeed without a doubt – you can still buy them right then and there, and the person who had them is likely trying to sell because the only reason they had them is so that he can land on the bucks. So when they hit the jackpot, they're looking to sell. So he lands with the bucks, and you literally just paid to find out where he lands before you paid for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And with that range of outcomes, what, what you were talking, Chris, like with with Tevin Coleman, if it, he happens to land on a team that you don't necessarily like or that you're crazy about maybe you just have to hold or if it isn't a jackpot spot then you're um selling what i was going to say one other thing that i didn't really mention about wide receivers and um running backs and free agency is that that they're kind of like the hot topic and everyone's kind of like thinking where will they go where will they go but also, they're free agents, meaning that they were on a team before that. <laughs> Tevin Coleman was on the Atlanta Falcons, and it was a mess with Devontae Freeman and Ito Smith. Like, don't be blind to the fact that that a player is physically leaving a situation that y'all were tripping over for the last four years. Now Devontae Freeman's like a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, I've seven. seen Ito, they've been talking about Ito, yeah, talking about Ito Smith coming in to get some more touches. I, I don't care what side you land on, but you have to consider that as far as Tevin Coleman likely. I, I have no idea what these percentages are as far as uh, running backs or wide receivers. Once they enter free agency, do they leave or do they resign? I would say the majority is that they leave. I would, mm-hmm. I, that would be my mm-hmm. idea yeah. uh, of how free agency works. And same with wide receivers. I possibly even more so. And, and you, you know, of course you got to consider what's going to happen with the draft, but they're also consider that they're rookies and that it's time, possibly time for that veteran to step up or other, other young guys like, uh, Cobb. They've been talking, I know Cobb hasn't really been like much of <laughs> anything, but just mm-hmm. a player to say, I guess that mm-hmm. they, they're not sure what's happening with him. I'm sure that. I, I would think that he leaves and they, they're kind of hyping up their three young guys just recently. And it, it seems like they want one of those three to be the number two opposite of Adams. And that's where I'd be putting my chips at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about Cobb. I don't care where he's going. Like his time's passed. I think maybe you, you can see the landing spot, whatever. Cool. But, and if you want to take that risk, cool, but also mm-hmm. consider the guys that are, that are right behind him. And I'd like to mention before we hit on our last question, I'm really excited to talk about that one, but, uh, I would also like to mention that we're we're speaking about free agency like a lottery because it is. So 
I basically recommended to wait on the landing spot. If you must go after this player, you can wait on the landing spot, buy them. Yes, you're paying more than you would have if you bought low. However, you're still buying less than what they are expected to produce by by you. But if you get later in your drafts, this is specifically startup related, and you're taking lottery picks anyways, I do like to take free agents then. If it's later in the draft and they're non-risk players, I do like to take free agents. And if they do hit their lottery, then your lottery pick ended up actually having value because when you get past those 20th rounds, uh, those players don't really have trade value. You'll notice when you get in the 20th round and you start trying to trade you know, your 20th round pick for somebody else's 25th round pick. Maybe you forgot that he was there or something. People mm-hmm. aren't going to do that because those players don't really matter. They're your darts. They're the guys you want to push your chips in on. So for me, I've taken Josh Gordon really late. Probably not going to pan out. I'm sorry. His, his situation really sucks, but probably not going to pan out. Or I can make a lot of quote-unquote money. Latavius Murray is another one. He is so cheap. I've never been a Latavius Murray guy. However, if he lands in the lottery situation, goes to the Bucks, he's going to be, uh, you know, increase in value. So the last question we have is still pertaining to free agency, and it's uh, it's about the QBs like Tannehill and Eli, who should have been replaced a while ago, but they haven't. Are these players worth kind of buying cheap at their complete floor in Superflex, or are we just expecting they're probably going to get surpassed soon? For me, yes. If it's super flex, like every quarterback should be owned. I mean, <laughs> between between Mullins and Patrick Mahomes, like <laughs> you got to own every single QB in super flex, especially as they get bigger in teams. You know, twelve and fourteen, like fourteen team super flex. Like you have to go out there and get a QB, and it it just doesn't matter. You don't have to keep these players. <laughs> you don't have to. Like, you can still trade them. They're, if they are in a super flex league, they automatically have value. I, that's me. Not sure if other people perceive it that way, but you know that you're going to find a team that is starting that, you know, Breeze or Brady, Mahomes or whatever. Uh, maybe not Mahomes. They'll probably feel all right with Mahomes, but a guy that maybe is nearing an end of a career, but still top 10 guy. And they're like, I need something because mm-hmm. I, I need depth. I, I just need something. And, and net, whether they actually need it, like they think that they might need it. But I'm just saying that all QB should absolutely, absolutely be owned. Perhaps to build on that just a little in terms of trading for them. I think there's two ways to look at this and, Chris, you might be able to elaborate this on a little, but you, you don't really want to sell them now. So if you have them, you wouldn't really want to sell these guys. But um, a lot of people are just going to be pessimistic and assume that they're going to get uh, Eclipse in the draft. It's not really There's not really QB options in this draft to go over those guys. I don't think the Dolphins have an early enough pick to really replace Tannehill because we're going to assume that Haskins and Murray are going to go pretty early. So... I don't know, Chris, are are you interested in buying these guys and just kind of hoping that they don't uh, get Eclipse and then maybe selling them? Yeah, I think that would be – I think that's a fair process to start off with because you have to look at uh, – when it comes to backup quarterbacks, especially when it comes to super flex leagues, I take the same approach as you would to best ball leagues. So when it comes to best ball, you don't obviously you don't have the benefit of the waiver wire. So you try and have you have to take the long view approach to it. You have to take a look at the full season and try and look at the different scenarios that can happen. And the real winners when it comes to best ball are the are the drafters that can try and identify scenarios where you can capture shifts in volume. So like if you were to let's say draft a I don't know, a Cam Newton, a Tom Brady or whatever as your, as your number one quarterback. But then you're also able to capture, let's say even a, a Nick Mullins or somebody like that who absolutely had no cost whatsoever. You're at least able to capitalize on that shift and have somebody to couple with the players that you knew were going to start. Same thing with Dynasty when it comes to Superflex. You would want to have players that at least have a path to getting onto the field at some point. So players like Nick Mullins for this uh, for this season, a player like um, Nate Sudfeld, 
the backup quarterback for, for the Eagles. Carson Wentz, coming off of injury, has been injured in the past, and Nick Foles is leaving for free agency. So that would be a quarterback that you would probably want to invest in and hold on your roster just in case because you can see a path for him getting onto the field. Same thing with uh, Taylor Heineke for uh, for the Panthers. Cam Newton's been banged up. We don't know what his health is going to look like. I know all signs are pointing to, or Ron Rivera is currently saying that he's going to be fine. But it's February. Of course, everybody's everybody's saying everybody's going to be fine for the season. So players like that, where you can see the path for them getting on the field, Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck's shoulder starts to mess up again, Jacoby Brissett finds a way onto the field. Or a trade, yeah. Or a trade. Uh, definitely, that's definitely a possibility. So, And we already saw they brought him in, they brought Jacoby Brissett in last season in order to throw the Hail Mary towards the end of the game anyway. So we know that the team values him. We know that he has some utilization. So it's scenarios like that where you can see players and you can see them winding up onto the field even for their current teams or you can see how another team would value them so that they can uh, be traded and put onto their team. Those are the guys that you want to try and find. So it's players like that you want to try and identify. We're like a murky situation. Every once in a while we get those murky situations right now. It's the entire Redskins quarterback room is free. Oh, yeah. Um, You could take Sanchez, Josh Johnson, and Colt McCoy right now for essentially free. One of them has to start, assuming Alex Smith can't come back. Or what was the Cardinals situation in 17? It was Gabbert and... Uh, I forget who was behind him. The other guy, but not good. That's a good trivia question. But anyways, both of them were free and not good. But if somebody starts at quarterback, they're going to give you maybe like 15 points. Sometimes that's all you need is a fourth QB on your roster. Yeah, you want to go even like, you know, bottom barrel diving, you can go and hit the Jeff Driscolls of the world if you think that they're going to try and put Andy Dalton on ice and try and, you know, move on from him at some point during the season because the Bengals team outlook doesn't look all that great for 2019. So they're, they're I mean, they're paths. So that's something to try and identify. And I don't, like, sure, all, pretty much nearly all the guys that you're naming are so trash. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like AAF quarterbacks. But oh, without question. You consider some of the situations that, like, Mullins had actually some decent <laughs> games. Yes. for, yeah, for yeah. If you're in a super flex league, like, he could definitely put up some points for you. But I think about a guy like, like Foles, even, like, back in the day when, like, who did we think he was and – probably could put him in the same category as all these fools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's out here winning Super Bowls and a, a huge free agent quarterback. Right. <laughs> it's very much in quotes, huge free agent quarterback. So it's like it could it could happen to any one of these quarterbacks. So, you, you know, kind of back to your process, however you look at a said QB that happens to be buried on a depth chart, maybe it's a guy that you like. Go and get him. He's yeah. going to be so cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's, and there's nothing wrong with acquiring them at that cost because they're either going to be the back end of drafts or literally there are some guys that you can pick off the waiver wire once your startup is complete. Mullins, you could have grabbed off the waiver wire last year. I mean, you could have traded probably fairly cheap for a player like, uh, Teddy Bridgewater if you want to look, try and look for, for a player like that. So, I mean, there, the risk is fairly low, uh, if you, if you can, try and acquire them like when there's less of a chance of them getting onto the field. So the opportunity cost is small, so why not try and invest in them, especially if they're somebody that you like, because I would love to acquire Teddy wherever I could. So, I mean, Gabe, thank you for coming and sitting down with us this evening. I mean, we've, we enjoy coming on the open bar. We'd love to get back and sit down with you and, and Bay, J. Mike himself. Uh, and and uh, cut it up with you guys again soon. But before we get you on out of here, uh, is there any content, uh, anything about the show that you that you know is coming up here soon that you'd want to pimp for the folks here this evening? Uh, the floor is yours before we get you on out of here, man. Uh, well, first of all, thank you too for having me on. I, I know it's been a difficult process as far as making this happen. February has been quite busy. Oh yeah, for uh, FF man bun uh no no thank y'all I, i've been i i like i said i mean just <laughs> to go through a process is so much more important than a, a ranking sheet like <laughs> do do your own thing listen to these guys they're bringing on smart people they uh 
whether I'm a part of that list or not. <laughs> Glean anything that you can that you liked or disliked. Go in the other direction, the same direction. Just do your own thing, but don't um, take it away from one person. So I love what y'all do as far as just a process. It's great. As far as me, I am on the open bar every week, Tuesdays. Well, usually every week, but we've been we've been uh, we've been going every week with J. Mike and myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Tuesdays, nine thirty Eastern. Um, February was lit. We're on to March. Um, we're, we just keep getting guests. J Mike just keeps getting guests. He's working. He's like, I think he, I think he got an office. He got an office for the open (laughs) bar to just start getting guests on and everything. No, it's great. Um, it's, it's a lot of easy work for me to just show up and, uh, make t-shirts, stupid Girl Scout cookie t-shirts. And speaking of a little segue, uh, we, we, we do our thing with shirts too. And the, theopenbar.storeenvy.com so if y'all want to go get those feel free to and, and rep whatever we do that certain week or what Chris just said I also make podcast intros y'all probably listen to this pod you're like dang who was that <laughs> <laughs> or you went over to the Devi manual and you're like oh who whoa. was that who was that again <laughs> uh, or you listen to a few other pods and I just keep happening to land on these things man keep just dropping seriously, tracks seriously thank y'all I'm not even like I'm totally kidding like when I'm saying this stuff like thank y'all for putting me on and just allowing me to do this like I was totally out of creating music for so long and I made one intro for the open bar and, and here I am <laughs> Quite a few podcasts intro late intros later, and um, it's been great. I, I I just I love making music, man. So thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to do to do that. But if you have something that you're thinking of, I can uh, certainly help out help you out with that. So thank y'all, folks. Yeah, most definitely, Adam. Before we get out of here, do we have anything for the folks? Yeah, definitely check out uh, Debbie Owners Manual. They're killing it over there. They're actually uh, considering doing a live at the combine, so. If you hear this before the combine, make sure you go pressure them because Andrew and Dwight are going to be together in person for the first time. Brad Reyes is going to be doing the best ball owner manual. It's going to be lit. Guess who did the intro? <laughs> Another intro. Wait, wait, what, Adam? Why? You didn't. What? You didn't hit me. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gabe's gonna have a SoundCloud link that he's gonna give to us that we're going. No, no, no. To I was, I was setting y'all. I was setting you up like you didn't hit me up. <laughs> oh right, that would have been good if I were creative. See, <laughs> jeez, man. Why do you think Chris is employed? And then also, he needs uh, me. find me at AP WILDE. And thank you for listening. Subscribe, like, review. We're on all kinds of platforms now. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Gabe's everywhere. But now, for the time being, we're out. So, for Adam, for Gabe, I'm Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWX. We thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week. 101 pick when it hits you, feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic, the dynasty, it's automatic.